Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, coming at you live on what will be Friday for you, according to late Thursday night here. want to talk through some of the things that happened at practice. Had a, had a chance to talk to some important people, especially Mike Prefer, as he's talking about special teams and how everything's shaking out. Uh, looks like Chase McLaughlin obviously has a, uh, no pun intended here, a leg up in the kicking battle. Uh, this is largely due to McLaughlin being the only healthy one. Cody Parkey apparently hurt himself in the pregame. I had no idea that happened. I'm not sure many of us did as he went out there and kicked. But obviously the injury was serious enough that the Browns uh, let him go and, and they're going to give him an opportunity to get healthy and catch on somewhere else. They stopped short of naming Chase the the kicker for this year. You know, Preferred said that he doesn't believe that he, you know, he doesn't make that choice, but he's done a great job, hasn't missed in game. Neither guy missed in game. But, uh, I mean, you know, Cody hit the the upright in Jacksonville. But otherwise, you know, it's still good. It still counts if it ricochets in. It's like hitting the backboard in basketball. It still counts. So, you know, I think I I noticed when I was up there, Chase, the ball came a little bit uh, more powerful off of his foot. Kicked that 49-yarder that even Prefer noted he thought was good from 55 or 56. And it was an important kick because if he misses that, then New York can go down and kick a field goal of their own and win that game. So, Chase has done a nice job. I have no reason to doubt that he can handle the role. He's got a real NFL leg. He can kick it well past 50, which is something I thought Cody struggled with. Was accurate last year inside of 50, but they didn't push his range. I still want Stefanski to be aggressive, but at the same time, it's nice to have a kicker who can go out and and handle those things uh, on on any kind of deep kick that you could need in a moment of crisis. Prefer also touched on a punt and kick returner, that he knows what he has in Donovan Peoples-Jones, knows what he has in Dearness Johnson returning kicks, Peoples-Jones also returning punts. JoJo Natson, obviously this is where he's carved a path in the NFL. It's a big part of who he is, what he does. Uh, they they obviously like him, and, and JoJo has had a, an explosive punt return, as we know. Uh, Demetric Felton, another guy, has done a good job. I think the big thing I look for in punt returners, can you track the football, right? Track the football, catch it cleanly, confidently. have not had any issues with those guys returning punts. Uh, I've, I've been really you know pleased by what they've been able to do. Demetri Felton making people miss in space. That's an element that he brings. A comment that stood out to me from Prefer was that he said, Anthony Schwartz is a special athlete who I would love to be our kick returner. We've not been able to use him a lot lately. So look for them to try to get that out of him at some point during the season for a coach who's in charge of those decisions uh, to say that he would love for that player to do it. You know, that's obviously pretty meaningful. Alex Van Pelt talked about Baker Mayfield's improvement. Shows up in his quickness. This is a quote from uh, Van Pelt specifically. Shows up in his quickness and his conditioning to go through all the drill work and not be winded. He's in a really good place. His footwork right now has improved over last year. Remember, last year he switched to the right foot forward approach in the gun. You think it was. You think about all of last year having to learn the footwork as opposed to being able to just refine it. That's what he's doing this year, which is such a big advantage. He's made leaps and bounds in that way, especially under center with what we ask him to do in the drop back game from under center because that was a big, big adjustment from Baker. Never really doing it his first few years in the NFL, never doing it at Oklahoma, very rarely. It's a big thing to ask a guy who's not a big guy by nature to drop back five steps, you know, five-step drop from under center, get the ball out quick, find passing lanes. He's more comfortable with that. He's made big strides. So Van Pelt also touched a little bit more, just a fuller understanding of what we are trying to accomplish on offense, 
than just taking what he did at the end of last year, trying to roll it into this season. That's our mentality. It starts with turnovers. We cannot turn the ball over. He made great strides with that by the end of the year, just carrying that over and keeping that mindset, protect the football and protect the team. Joe Woods talking about getting greedy Williams and Grant Delpit to return quickly. Hopes that's the outcome. He may note, uh, you know, about the safety position Grant can play and, you know, maybe losing a little bit of the flexibility he has and what he wants to do with dime packages. I still think they have enough personnel to do dime packages. You can still play Ronnie deep. You can still play uh, John Johnson deep. You can play Richard LeCount deep a little bit too, feel okay with it. Javante Moffitt's come along. So I understand Grant Delpit can be a Swiss Army knife. He can give you the opportunity to play some of those really fun dime sets. But he's a nickel guy anyway. He said as much in Cleveland Browns Daily. He prefers nickel. But when they want to get really creative, they obviously would like to uh, have Grant Delpit involved in that. You know, he can play in a bunch of different roles in, the, in a dime look for, for a defense. And he talked about that and said, we're going to have a dime package. We may have to get to it a little bit later in terms of the whole package, but we're repping it in training camp, he said. Again, this is Woods. We're just trying to keep it alive, but once he gets back, there's some things I will be able to do, which is great. You know, I think they can still do some things, but Grant will give them uh, even more flexibility. Talking about Greg Newsom's uh, evolving nature here in preseason, you can see it every day in practice with each game and each matchup when it's a different color jersey that he's getting more confident. This is Woods on Newsom. We look forward to having him out there. He will have a role for sure. We'll figure that out along the way, but I feel like we're going to be having a really good player in this league for a long time which is awesome. You know, he's got inside and outside flexibility, which is so unique for a young player to be able to do that. Uh, I I like what they're doing with him, trying to get him on the field. They'll try to get greedy out there with him as well. Talking about JOK to close, kind of bringing him along slowly. I think everything with JOK is just learning. He sees things, he plays fast, but he has to do it the right way. Each week we put in different game plans for teams. We do not do a lot, but we try to change just a little bit each week. Sometimes I'll send him a little bit more on blitzes, try to get him some one-on-ones. Sometimes I just want to see if he can cover just week to week. It's different things trying to evaluate all of our guys in terms of man zone and pressure. So JOK coming back from the stitches. Hopefully he can get back sooner rather than later because he's going to be an important part of week one in Kansas City. Now we're going to jump over to our interview conversation, whatever you want to call it, with the OG of this podcast, John Colosimo. John does a great job uh, with content. He's writing for Brown's Digest. He also does a great job on Nothing But The Dogs podcast. I have John on every single week. So let's jump over to that conversation now with John Colosimo. Hope you guys enjoy. There's a lot of great topics here. Browns are always busy. Let's get there now. Friend of the show, John Colosimo, how are you, man? Doing excellent, man. Very good day. Very good day. That's what I like to hear. Down in Kansas City, right? Down in Kansas City. It been a brutal day in terms of travel. Had to get up at four and catch a red eye to come down here, stay at the job site all day. and uh, So I'm wrapping up. My day uh, gets to go catch another red eye tomorrow. Love that man. Flying out to Dallas in a few weeks. I've never done this. Got a got a job opportunity. So um, you know, nothing changes with what I'm doing coverage wise, but a job opportunity. So I'm flying to Dallas. I have literally for a job I've never traveled. So I'm like, how does this work? You guys give me the flight. Do I get the hotel? How do you know? I've got a million questions. I got to got to do this thing with a, with a taxi. Like, come on, man. I just sit in front of my computer at home all day. So <laughs> yeah, get that per diem, man. <laughs> That's right, man. What's this company credit card everyone tells me about? But um, <laughs> well, let's close our day talking Browns, man. First question I have for you: talked about it off air. Like, literally, what's the dollar figure you would you would pay to watch Miles Garrett just absolutely destroy? I don't even. Which Paul brother is it? Logan Paul? And I can't keep track of these it's, guys it's, anymore. It's Logan Paul that he's talking about knocking out. It's uh, it's the other Paul that's running his mouth recently. How, how big is Logan Paul? 
I'm typing it up right now. Logan Paul uh, size. He's six two. Question. He's six two. I don't have a listed weight. Can't be much more than like two ten, two fifteen. Can't be much more than that. It's a seventy four right. inch reach. I mean, like Miles is every bit of six four, six five, two seventy five, two eighty. It it would not <laughs> it would not go well. It just wouldn't go well. It it wouldn't go well, right? I, it even, would be a yeah. massacre. Even if he could keep him, you know, it could even be a weird fight in where uh, Paul could maybe keep him off, off balance with the jab for a little while. But Miles only has to hit, only has to scrape that jaw. If dude goes down like a ton of bricks. It, it, yeah, I have to think some of this stuff is staged. He can't really believe his brother could handle Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett looks like he's from a different planet. There's few people that I've been up close to, like at camp, when I've been there. And you, you really stand next to him and you're like, this guy's not the same species that I have. There's no way. Like, he is he is the the like the freak of the freaks when you're standing near that guy. In terms of, like, the, the broadness of the shoulders and then, like, watching him run, it doesn't add up. It really doesn't add up. And I think he's even like Deshaun Watson last year. I had that quote about, I, uh, I took off and I couldn't believe that he was able to catch me because, you know, Deshaun's <laughs> a really good athlete. And, and, and Miles, you know, that guy is... That guy's from. Is that like, the from, one where he snagged his uh, jersey, pulled him down so. by it. I think so. He's yeah. like he's from Krypton, man. He's different, and <laughs> he really I don't is. think I would really talk about him. You know, he's like a, he's like one of those gentle giants. I would not. You don't want to get my. <laughs> don't poke the bear. You really don't, man. Let's talk about some some more pertinent topics to actual Browns football. You've done so many Baker things, man, and I, I commend you. And if you guys have not read John's piece, uh, pieces he's wrote many things on Baker this off season. Go go read his most recent piece where he's looking at really. I'll let you. I'll tee it up for you, John. Talk talk about what this most recent study was. It did did it help you close the door on what happened last year? Kind of where he's at going into this year, and if it did, help me understand where you're at with him right now. All right. So uh, what I did was I kind of cut up that season. You know, for me, and I, you know, I know that you know this. We talk in text where we were at you know, when Odell goes down specifically, it's just the, the memorable moment there. Um, thinking Baker is basically a broken quarterback, almost uh, what he looked like through his six games there. And then, you know, as he improved for the rest of the uh, rest of the season, I just started cutting those up. And one thing that's great about PFF is they really give you a ton of flexibility to make those splits and see where exactly where all of the di- these different angles that you can look at quarterback play. And so I was looking at Baker's first six games, his last 12 games, and uh, that includes the playoff games that we had, both Pittsburgh and Kansas City. And you could cut it up, and I did, um, about every way that you could, whether it's, uh, you know, by depth of uh, pass, you know, deep, intermediate, short, um, you know, against the blitz, um, play action passing, uh, EPA uh, versus different coverage types. I split all that from weeks one through six and then seven through divisional round of the playoffs. And I mean, you asked that if it kind of clarified, I don't know that it clarified so much because he got better at literally everything and not just by a little bit. He was dreadful his first six games in total. And he was one of the NFL's best at, just about everything. And I mean, top five and led a lot of those categories outright uh, for the final 12 of the season. So 
I, you know, I think it was interesting in the way that you couldn't quite find something. There was definitely nothing they were exploiting, you know, whether it was play action or, you know, a lot of people kind of made the points. Well, you know, Kevin smashing the easy buttons and doing this play action. Well, they ran less play action in the last 12 weeks than they did the first six. Baker got a lot better at it, but they ran less of it. And the grade that he had was exactly the same in those play action passes as it was in, in pocket passes for those last 12 games. So there wasn't like a, a disparity there. So uh, I think one thing it did say, and this was an unexpected, and I didn't even note this in the article. So, um, but I, I think one thing it did dispel for me uh, for the most part is the idea of Odell going down, being a, a big part of it. Uh, you know, you can, you can, Look at all the correlation of that and, and whatever all you want, but Odell going down does not make Baker Mayfield play better against cover three. All right, you know it does not make him uh, better against the blitz. You know when you cut all these things up in so many different ways and see that he got better at all of them, I think that was one of the more unexpected things. I didn't even put this in the article, but that was one thing I think I came out of here thinking outside of. Baker Mayfield have definitely having a nice runway into this year was that um, I don't see any real causation uh, between OBJ going down and Baker getting better at literally everything that he does. It just doesn't make sense, I don't think, by the numbers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think that answer with him and Odell will have a much clearer picture by the end of the year. Granted, Odell comes back like we think he will. Um, Agreed. You know, Baker's a more confident quarterback in the system. I think Odell has experienced a lot of, not not, not humbling, because I don't think he's not a humble guy. I think that, you know, when you watch your teammates go out and find success like they did, you want to be a part of that. You know, you want to be a part of all that comes with that. He's only been to the playoffs once in his career, and... You know, there's there's learning the system and learning the playbook and all of that that we think are reasons that Baker clicked are, are reasons to think Odell could come in and still find a lot of success here. They're they're definitely using this this season as a barometer for what Odell's future is. I mean, same can be said for Baker, but I don't necessarily think there's a one plus one equals two with last year and how Baker performed and Odell Odell ended up finishing his season. So we've all talked about it. I've talked about it. Every major media outlet has talked about it, but there's no real answer. It's not. It's in the gray area. So Agreed. they have a chance to take it out of the gray area this year. I'll ask you this question. 
uh, kind of wrap up Baker is is you know, one to one hundred at John. Like, what level of confident are you that he can be this? You know, the metrics, significant metrics, told us that he was a top three quarterback for ten straight weeks, and you know you can sprinkle in the playoffs too, where he played pretty well. They told us he was a top three quarterback. Is his consistent play like? I guess it's like, do you? What number would you put it on him to to perform like that again over a seventeen game season? Like, how confident are you? If someone says, "Hey, give me a number, man." How confident are you that this guy can string together a full season of that type of play? You know, I feel pretty confident to be honest. The uh, mm-hmm. you know the numbers that we're talking about, just you know, we're talking about like a he was what a, about a ninety two uh, passer rating uh, PFF passing grade. I mean, and that's that's elite. Um, I think, I think he can do that in the ways that, that he did. And I don't think that there's any reason to, that I found to, to doubt that. I think, um, this is his best shot. I mean, obviously he's been in the most tumultuous circumstances you could even imagine around him up until this point. So I think the, all the factors are there and I think the talent is there. I didn't see any reason why, um, he wouldn't be able to continue where he left off. Um, he, What's funny is that, you know, you try and, like, look at the ceilings, right? And he's never going to be a a Mahomes or Allen in some of the senses where you've got the uh, off-platform throws and and things like that, um, the way that they can invite pressure and then uh, completely profit off that. Um, But it, it did remind me a little bit of the comparisons where, some people talked about his ceiling uh, being a Drew Brees type and Drew Brees talking about how, you know, he's, yeah, he's like me, but has a stronger arm. I think Drew Brees with a stronger arm is probably your best way to envision what a maximized, you know, Baker Mayfield getting to his absolute ceiling would be like. Uh, And I think he wasn't too far off from that for 12 games last year. So, um, but yeah, I do. I, I think if you want a number, I think I am about 80% confident that that's the year we're going to see in 2021. Yeah, I mean, being a stronger arm, Drew Brees, which was the only thing that really kept Drew from being what I mean, Drew was phenomenal. He just happened to be caught in the run of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And it's like, the guy was so good. And if he's a stronger arm version of him, if he can get there, if that's the ceiling, which I agree. I actually think going back to the draft, John, I remember saying that the ceiling was Drew Brees and the basement was Jeff Garcia, which kind of feels like oh yeah, I do remember kinda, that. Kind of feels like where we're at, where like we've seen the Jeff Garcia and Jeff's had Jeff had good years too. Don't don't let that be missed. But mm-hmm. if he can get to the Brees type of level, which as you're saying, the inviting pressure, the way Allen can use the physical body size, feet to escape pressure, sort of the same way Lamar can, obviously the same way Pat can extend plays. I don't think Baker's going to be an extender, so I can, I have continued to say Baker has to beat people with his mind. Like he's got to be steps ahead sure. of folks to know in a in a pretty you know when they do throw they're very West Coast oriented. He's got to be out in front of people. He he's not gonna he's got a Tom Brady. He's got a Peyton Manning. It. He's got to get on that level of knowing to, where to go with the football in in a, in a mere split second based on what the defense is doing, and then doing things to manipulate them as well to get the result that you want from the defense. That's that's the thing. And I haven't heard anybody ask him that. Like, I would love to hear somebody say, hey, how do you beat defenses consistently? What makes Baker Mayfield, you know, we, you know that Lamar can run. You know that Josh can extend plays. He's a, he, I, I said when I was going at those Buffalo guys, I wasn't going at them. I, 
I was welcoming that because I knew what kind of stuff they were going to say and just simple follow-ups to those guys the other day. And, you know, <laughs> God bless them. But, but like, it's it's you know Josh Allen's like a, another. He's a re, he's like almost like Ben Roethlisberger 2.0 in my opinion. Where if he continues the trend he's going, he's got that extension ability, but he can actually run. Like Ben was just a statue, but he can make you miss as a statue. Josh can run. Um, he's got to continue to prove it, right? You know, I thought your hockey stick yeah. progress of his career is so great. That was so perfect, like, with where he is in terms of his progress. has not been perfectly balanced. It's been bad. It was really bad. Kind of okay. Kind of below average. And then, like, what? Yep. where did this come from? That So we need to see more <laughs> of him. But you know, to, to Baker's point, like, he has to – and I would love to hear him say that. Like, I got to be – I have to watch obsessive amounts of film. I have to do – uh, you know, I have to get on the same page with my coach so that I know exactly what the defense is going to do, what the tendencies are, and what the analytics department. That's the stuff I'd like to see asked to him, you know, because that's something that it, it, it's an introspective thing, right? Where he has to think to himself, have I thought about this, right? You know, right. I think Baker's whole life, you know, he, he's been slept on. I get it. But like, he's been dominating football for a while. And has he thought to himself, you know, how do I dominate games? Like, how am I going to be that quarterback that has a 15-year career? And what things make me who I am? So he has the arm strength. Nobody's denying that. I don't – I just – there's a huge part of this where he doesn't need to rely on athleticism to get where I think he can ultimately get to. So I would love to hear him say that. But nevertheless yeah, – Yeah, go ahead. Just one last point on this. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody knows he – well, no, actually – uh, we we know that he has a very good arm. It gets underrated a lot, but it's tied to his base in so much more ways than um, than, a, than an Allen or a uh, Mahomes. You know, just one last thing on the one of those stats that I had was you know PFF has those uh, quarterback. Uh, it's the quarterback's fault that the pressure happens. They have a percentage for that. Um, I I specifically didn't give a ranking for Baker because on that because it doesn't make any sense when you look at the numbers. You know who the worst, some of the worst people in the league um, are Allen and uh, Mahomes. Mahomes is something like, he lives in like 35% of the pressures that he gets are his fault. That's just not a place that Baker can, can be at. Allen isn't far behind, you know, but Baker cut that down to like 16% in the in the um, last 12 games. And and Deshaun does that too, An- another guy yes. who. And they profit yes. off of it, like you said. That, that way right. you said it earlier was really great. Like they welcome it because when they're able to welcome it, get the pressure the way they expect to get the pressure and then have ways to manipulate it, get out of the pocket and do things, you get a feel for it, right? You get yep. a feel for it, and you use it to your advantage. That's why run lane discipline, like rush lane discipline, is so it's wildly important, especially when you play Lamar. Like you cannot get caught chasing inside and give him an easy outlet out of the pocket. So you're right, man. Those those guys are unique in that way, and that's that's fine to them, you know. And it's it's how guys like Lamar and and you know young Josh were able to still keep an offense relatively okay or on schedules because they could use their legs because they couldn't decipher what defenses were doing you know if you right. can you yep. can like a guy like Josh Rosen if he doesn't decipher what the defense is doing he's a he's dead he's dead on arrival <laughs> if he doesn't make a great process happen in his mind in the play and get the ball out he's dead but if Josh Allen is in an identical situation to Josh Rosen or even Baker for that matter I mean Baker's more athletic than Josh Rosen he's a decent athlete but he's not 
and running away from people when it matters. Like yeah. if they get in situations where if you put them in both guys in the same situation, Josh is probably going to have a better chance to Pat too. And, and Lamar of getting out of that pressure somehow and then creating, you know, Deshaun too. It's the same. That's an added element. So if Baker's not going to have that, which he's clearly not, and he's only going to get worse athletically as he gets older, he has sure. to be able to manipulate people with his brain and know where to go with the football almost as a part of your mental as your your mental process is so fast. And that listen, the good thing for me and I didn't really want Baker to dominate the whole conversation, but that's okay. Is the, the the good thing for me is all those guys who are mental processors who are who are really they get there. They're usually tied to a coordinator or coach who is the right hand man. They have a they have a they have a twelve fifteen year relationship with the same play caller. Um, you know, Peyton's the one of the only guys who's transcended play caller, and really Tom. But Tom has been with McDaniel's forever and. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, at least some sort of long run between a head coach and OC and play caller because you get to do these things so innately that it's just you, you almost beat defenses before the ball snapped. So that's where Baker and Kevin have to get. I think they can get there. But if we're looking at the long term of how this works, what does it look like? Well, it's Baker beating people by knowing where to go with the football almost as the ball is snapped, knowing so much about the offense that it, it is just uh, he eventually becomes a – a savant at the line of scrimmage with checks and audibles and things like that that you see Drew do, you've seen Peyton do. I mean, the famous Omaha calls and all those different <laughs> things. It, there's a reason for it, right? So th- that's where Baker has to get to. I thought your study was fantastic. I put a link in this podcast, guys, uh, in the description to go directly to that article so you can read it. John did a great job, and he's done. He's done. I mean, we've had a ton of text conversations about him, but it has been an interesting study to sort of figure out what happened, where he's going. And, the, and it's easy to explain some of the what happened, some of it, uh, portions of it, big portions of it. Uh, but there's now no excuse. So we, should, we shouldn't see a, a delay period when they hit the ground running in Kansas City. You know, it should be a, a better chance at a consistent 17 games and a better chance to have him in the right offense, the right personnel, everything. So it's, it's an exciting thing. So um, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. They got tack back this week. How excited are you, John, about – uh, about getting tack back or I mean I, to me it's really huge because I have not seen much of of, of really anything I mean I, I like Porter Gustin I think he's a, a lead for your four spot but between Malvo Joe Jackson's put together some nice games give Joe Jackson credit but between Malvo they let go of Romeo McKnight Curtis Weaver is 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 lacking explosion that I thought he was going to bring I just I felt like tack coming back and being an active part of this thing was was one of the more integral parts, more, even more so than Grant Delpit, in my opinion, because they they have to rotate these D linemen. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, it's great to have him back. I, I want to see him. I don't know that we're going to get to on Sunday. Um, I it, it bothered. Look, I I know that uh, there's personal reasons involved, but you know, the, and that isn't necessarily any of my business. But it does make me nervous you know, heading into the season, because I think you realize how much we, we need that extra edge player. And so there's a, there's a good amount of things relying on, on tack for this year. And he's been unreliable in the past for, for additional reasons, whether it's injury or or whatever. So it, it definitely makes me nervous, but I'm certainly excited to have him back. And I, I can't wait to see 
some of these guys and, you know, attack. We haven't even had anybody on his level play in the preseason yet. Uh, so I, I really want to see what he's got, you know, what shape he's in and what he looks like against some actual NFL players here. Plus a little return trip to Atlanta, uh, some of that payback stuff. If he gets some oh, yeah. snaps, True. There, there's an element True. to that too, that he might be fired up to go down there and he could he could put on a Mitch Trubisky-type performance. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll ask to this Malik McDowell situation. I think everybody kind of wrote this thing off when he was signed as, yeah, we'll see. Uh, more likely than not, he's not going to catch on. But I don't know how much you've rewatched of that game, but he was doing things I have not seen an interior defensive lineman do for Cleveland. Just little things, man, using their hands to get rid of an immediate pressure, you know, turning side, splitting double teams by getting skinny, shooting through gaps, being able to absorb contact from double teams without being driven, you know, four, five, six steps in the direction that the O-line wants to take you. And those things are important because I commented yesterday when I was on with Cameron Justice that I think Andrew Billings could be a surprise cut. Like, I just do. They're not tied to him long term. He showed up out of shape. They're playing him in all these preseason games to see if he's if he's a shell of himself or what, like I think there's some serious evaluation going on there because the defensive tackle room is the most interesting to me, John, because they have to balance the now and the later. They have Tommy Togiai and Jordan Elliott, who are young guys. Now, Jordan Elliott finally, finally put together a game where I, <laughs> I left it going, yeah. okay, I see how he can win at the NFL level a little bit here. He actually flashed a spin move. He was swiping hands off. He put a club rip on tape. Like That stuff was great. It was good to see. Not a perfect game, but a really good game. But as you look at it, like Tommy Togi, is struggling. He's just leaning into people. He's not trusting his coaching. He's not trusting his technique. He's trying to bull rush folks like he's playing Illinois on a Saturday. And he's just, he just, he, he has, I have not seen the flashes of promise that tell me I should keep Tommy Togi. But on the same token, he's a fourth round pick. He's young. And Andrew Billings is doing the same things, if not worse. So would you rather have Tommy Togi not exposed to rot, to waivers I would probably end up looking at that route as more favorable. So if you went Malik Jackson, you went um, Sheldon Day, who's been really strong this this camp and in, in his preseason performances. You went McDowell, you went Togiai. There's your four, and, and your fifth is Elliott. Or you know, if you they only brought four into 2020, so if they go four, it gets even more condensed. So what I guess I'm getting at is is how real do you think Malik McDowell the situation here is? It's hard to gauge, but like. Do you think if he has another really good game, they can't let him go? I mean, I'm just kind of curious because, I, I don't. again, I don't know how much you watched of it, John, but he was doing things that nobody else has done for them. And I'm talking, we've seen every defensive tackle outside of of Jackson. Yeah, no, I, uh, I do think that they're, you know, it might already even be at that level. Just, just to flash that kind of ability, um, considering that there isn't anybody else on the roster at that spot, that they can expect to get some of that stuff from. I mean, it was, they had to make a, uh, a decision with money regarding Sheldon Richardson. Um, they had, he had something like, I don't have the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it was in the mid fifties in terms of pressure. Um, and he was inconsistent, but 50 replacing 55 pressures on the interior. I know we're going to rotate in, um, miles and, uh, and, uh, Clowney. Uh, on occasion, you know, to the three spot and that kind of stuff to help alleviate that. But that's still a lot of pressures to lose out of the interior. And I'm not sure that when a guy, a young guy too, flashes that kind of ability that, you know, without the kind of prospects on the roster that, you know, in that regard that we have, I don't know that he's already shown you enough where you can't 
you can't get him. He's not going to make it past waivers. There's no way he's going to make it to the practice squad. I can say that. Uh, I feel like 90% confident that that's the case. That doesn't mean that you have to keep him, but it does mean if you don't, he's not making it to the practice practice squad. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't see, I think they need the ability to do that. And if, if, if they even, if they think that just flashing that was enough, which they might, they, they probably got to keep him. And, and I think it, your pick as a surprise cut, is a pretty good one because uh, Billings has just shown me nothing. And I, I don't know that what you're asking for, looking at what he's, what he's done so far in the preseason, what, what are you keeping him on the roster for? Yeah. What makes him just, more keepable than Togi? Like I just, I, I really don't know. His body type is built to just absorb double teams and allow linebackers to stay free in the run game. Like he's not pressuring that much. I mean, does he even draw a double team right now? Not really. Not really. <laughs> and I mean, some double teams happen organically where, you know, it's just inside mm-hmm. zone and you work a double team to climb to the second level, or it's a gap down where you kind of put your hand on a guy to pass by. But like, I'm not seeing him eat people. Like, I'm just not seeing him, like, absorb those double teams that keeps a Mike linebacker free to make a play in the hole. Like, and I'm not seeing some ridiculous – I know he's a strong guy, but I'm not seeing this bull rush stuff that's blowing me out of the water. So I'm just kind of adding it all up. And I'm not trying to predict that he's going to get cut, but I just wouldn't be surprised by it because you show up extremely out of shape. The pictures were jarring at OTAs. You miss all of last year. You have no connection to the coaching staff or what went on here. So there's no like element of man. He was with us last year. He was he he was a guy for it. You know he battled, and that's cool. Like you can take the year off. I have no issue with that. But I'm just kind of looking at what is the link the coaching staff has between him and that says we trust what he can do. Well, I know you signed him, but you signed him to a one year deal, and it wasn't a ton of money. So if you move off that money, it's not a big deal. Then you can also keep a young guy who you don't maybe want to expose. So. You know, there's a couple positions where the balance between the now and later, like the offensive tackle spot with Greg Sinat playing as well as he is, which he's playing infinitely better football than James Hudson. Uh, and and, and the, there's the balance there. Like if we expose James Hudson to waivers, he's obviously going to get claimed. It's way too soon to make a prediction about where that young man's career goes. While on the flip, on the flip side, if you expose Greg Sinat, who's been picked up before, but if you expose him, he's got a really high chance to get through. But it's like, okay, on game day, I'd rather have Greg Sinat right now than I'd rather have James Hudson. So there's like, there's this balance, what I'm paying the most attention to, and I know this is a little bit of a repeat what I spoke on yesterday, but that balance between we have a bunch of guys, and their, their, their personnel department and Andrew Barry have done a great job of identifying fringe guys who have gone out and performed. Like Davion Davis, these are fringe guys who have gone out and performed that make you like, oh, do we need to keep him? You know, like the kudos to them for that. That's 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 real. That's what your scouting department is doing, going out and doing those sorts of things that make those decisions hard. So, yeah, I mean, they're not. It's hard to see them giving up on Togiai this early, or it's hard to see them giving up on Jordan Elliott this early. So, if they're not going to give up on those guys this early, who is impacted by that? So, there's some of that stuff that'll be fascinating to me. We'll close with this, John. Have you ever, in your life, had a weightlifting accident that caused stitches and? In your opinion, is this just another thing that makes you really nervous about JOK? Because, you know, stitches take a little bit to heal, and he's going to miss more time here. And they're, based on only playing him 15 snaps early in the last week, they're really going to play this young man. And if your first exposure to the NFL is Kansas City, they're going to try to put him in a whirlwind. Yeah, I think uh, I think what could – no, I have definitely not. I've never actually gotten stitches at all. Uh, I've broken bones and – you know, done things like that, but I've, uh, I've never gotten stitches and certainly not, uh, I'd never even really had a weight room accident at all. But, 
<laughs> I don't know. Like, it doesn't concern me necessarily. Like, it doesn't bother me in terms of what it says about JOK or anything like that. But it definitely bothers me in that uh, he's got a cut on his head. Uh, how do you? How how are you gonna? How are you going to um, appropriately? you know, get, get that to stay closed. I mean, think about like a boxing match. I mean, he put a helmet on and as a linebacker, how is that cut going to stay closed in a week? And, you know, well, he's got two weeks, he's got two weeks, but even two weeks is, you know, skin doesn't close that close. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the actual, I don't know how many stitches he got, but you got to think that that's pretty bad. I mean, anybody that's worn a, a football helmet can understand that, you know, that skin is getting yanked <laughs> when you mm-hmm. get hit. You know, when you make a tackle, when you take on a block, every single time that skin is getting yanked in some direction. So, yeah, that, that bothers the shit out of me. Yeah, it's like, is he ducking to go get a weight and he hits his his head on the bar? Like, there's I just I, I can't some, even I envision some questions. It. Some questions <laughs> for, sure. for you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, that that's about it. I, I'm sure I'll have you on next week, John, and we'll talk about some of these decisions coming and all of that. Is there anybody that you're, we'll close this way. Is there anybody that you are really, really watching uh, to see if they can kind of show you the, the turn the corner to the 53 man roster? Is there somebody that you, you know, you'll be keying in on throughout that whole game Sunday. So I had been keying in heavily on JOK. Like more, I think every single time he's on the field, my eyes were on him for each play. Um, that's probably going to be less. So I don't expect him to play much if at all. Uh, coming up, I don't know if they're going to put Super Lou in there or whatever, but um, you know, I hate to repeat it, but I mean, Sheldon Day and Malik McDowell are going to be the guys. The defensive interior, actually, in general, are probably where my eyes are going to be on every defensive snap. Um, I don't think that we have the kind of questions elsewhere on defense, uh, but you know, what's going on in that defensive interior is is legit, and we will see movement based on on play. I think so. Yeah, I'm going to be looking at all the defensive interior guys and especially McDowell and Day. Well, listen, put your hamstrings on ice, man. We need you to stay healthy. Can't afford any more of these things, John. Good trip back from KC, brother. <laughs> have, a, have a good time on that red eye. Watch a good maybe, – maybe turn on – we've got a little uh, – maybe super bad, something fun. Keep you entertained, man. I can't sleep <laughs> on a plane, so whatever. You yeah, know, no find, kidding. Find yeah. something good I'll to watch. I'll load something up. <laughs> You're the man, <laughs> Thanks, John. We, we appreciate you, man. All right, have a good one. Okay, thanks for joining us, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with John. Great stuff all around. We're going to keep looking ahead at this roster. we got a lot of important podcasts coming because we have to preview the Falcons. We're going to go behind enemy lines tomorrow with a pretty familiar name in a sense of irony. I think you'll enjoy it. And then we will uh, obviously also check in at some point uh, with a prediction podcast for the 53-man. Maybe that'll be our Monday podcast. But we also got to do our scouting notes, all of that, defense, offense. We'll get to that too. Don't forget, you will have a Sunday game day prep podcast. Again, it's usually just what I'm looking for, things that stand out. As we get into the season, it will be more specific things for you to key in on, scouting notes, things like that. As we get into games with more scouting data and notes and things like that, I'll give you more pertinent data about the opponent coming for the day, what you should key in on and all that stuff. Just to get you set up for a 1 o'clock, 4.15 or 8.25 kick, whatever, just a little morning 
podcast with your coffee. That'll be your expectation, trying to get you in the rhythm for what you'll always have on the weekends. You'll have that Behind Enemy Lines segment podcast in total, and then you also have a game day podcast as well. So a lot of big things coming down the pipeline. Got to make some key roster decisions, a huge opportunity on Sunday for important players on the back end, and maybe even some starters because we haven't heard an official word on that. So we could see the starters get some reps too. Should be an interesting five days for the Browns. I'll have you covered tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, and beyond. Continue to check your feed. Make sure you're subscribing to this podcast, getting that automatic download. Your support means the world to me. Thank you, guys. Have a great Friday, and go Browns. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com